Welcome to another episode of the Ricky Long Podcast. There's a calm surrender to the rush of day. Today's episode sponsored by the Lion King. You will remember this from the Lion King. When was the Lion King released? 93? 92? Oh yeah. Breaking in now. Yep, I can. Right. Let's jump into the content. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for everyone who has left a review and a comment section on iTunes and the other platforms. Um, genuinely means a, a lot to me. And the private messages I've got from, again, various people uh, talking about some of the things, sorry, thanking me for talking about some of the things I have, uh, both on the podcast and in my various other realms of social media. Uh, the four things we're going to chat about today um, tips for working in the fitness industry, how to explain and describe overtraining, what are the most satisfying things about working in the fitness industry, and how to break training plateaus. Just before we go into that, I'll let you know this is podcast number five. Is it four or five? There's just been so many. And it's actually, each podcast I've done, I've done in a different location. Some I've done in Belfast. Some I've done in Glasgow. I've done a couple in Gurok, where I live. Gurok? Gurok. Gurok. G-Rock, I call it. Gurok. Um, but every time I've done it in a slightly different place. Like, for example, now I'm sitting, I'm looking out my window. I'm looking at the sea. I can actually see the submarine. So you'll see me chat about the submarine from time to time on uh, Instagram, it only appears in Instagram stories. This podcast is inspired from today, I was listening to Brian King's podcast, if you don't know Brian King, you need to subscribe to Brian King on all forms of social media, Brian King is a ex-GAA athlete and specialises in GAA training for their professional athletes, does business mentoring, uh, based in Ireland, he is an excellent guy. His content's absolutely brilliant. It's different. It's funny. It's on the spot. It's all generally done in one take. It's from the heart, by the passion. And he basically doesn't care who he pisses off. Eel, which is why I like him. Um, and it's probably his podcast he did today. It was probably the most passionate one he's done to date. And it, the podcast title is if you want to see it i think it's um was it 170 podcast 170 and the podcast title was motivation is bullshit and he had a Q&A session that he was doing for about the first 40 minutes um so let's say he was doing three or four questions then question number four was a question from one of his followers was how do you stay motivated and he <laughs> He basically went off on one. Um, it was fantastic. He went off on one talking about motivation and 
what motivation actually means, what motivation is and what it isn't. You know, we associate motivation with the motivational speaker, someone like me, someone like Brian Keane, um, on a social media platform, giving you that Braveheart speech. We associate motivation with the song that makes you, you know, pound the pavements with the training video that makes you want to go to the gym and lift back like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Whereas motivation comes from somewhere within and he honestly I don't want to steal his thunder, but he coined the phrase so many times is motivation is what you get when your habits become your life. Yeah, your habits create the results, not the want. If you want to run a 26 mile marathon, not that any marathons aren't 26 miles, but if you want to run that 26 miles, you don't start off trying to run 26 miles one day. You start off by making your habits towards those 26 miles, like the two miles, the three miles, the four mile days and getting up in the pissy, shitty weather. Your habits become your behaviors. Your habits become your values. So if you're looking for motivation and you're on social media and you're on this platform, maybe you're listening to me for motivation. Motivation comes from the habits you create. Perfect example is I had on my list for this week to do a podcast. And I've been away for the night. I've done Saturday and Sunday. I did roughly... 600 miles worth of driving, driving from where I live, Gurok, G-Rock, to Manchester and back. Then Tuesday, Wednesday, I drove to Aberdeen and back. So probably the guts of a thousand miles in total. Um, in between times, I've been serving my own clients and doing my own things, getting stuff set up for my events. And the last thing I wanted to do when I got back into the house today on Wednesday the 15th at 15.57, was create the podcast i wanted to leave it a day or two but you've got to create habits and this is a proactive habit it's about being productive and not busy being busy would be thumb rolling through social media and writing bits and pieces down and doing housework stuff with yeah it gets things that need done but i'm not actually creating a product so the housework will get done i'll set aside half an hour an hour to do housework the posts I need to do on social media will get done because you've got to create that productivity. The podcast is getting done none. <laughs> the podcast is getting done now. And listen, I'm not even going to edit that out because that's how real and raw Brian's message came across. And it certainly gave me a pumped up feeling. I think I was driving at 60 miles an hour. And by the time I'd finished listening to it, I was driving at maybe 70 miles an hour like I would never break the speed limit and the message is your habits become your behaviors you've got to start to get the result jumping into today's content all these questions come from my own clients and my own audience so I've I've been producing a lot of content recently on various forms of media and in my business mentoring platforms. One of the questions uh, that kept coming up from the guys and girls was about what content should I produce for which platform? And the message is it depends on 
who you want to serve and how you want to serve them. So who are your natural audience? What are your, why are your natural audience drawn to you? Because if they're already drawn to you, they're already like you in some way. So you just need to talk about the stuff you're comfortable talking in. And the second one is what's the purpose of your engagement? Now the purpose of my podcast isn't to tap into a new audience. It isn't to get new followers from the audio space. The goal of my podcast is to serve my existing audience just on the audio scheme. Because not everyone has time to sit down and scroll through Facebook and Instagram and watch video after video. So I'm putting it on audio. And a lot of the time I just reach out to my existing audience and say, I'm doing a podcast tomorrow. What do you want me to chat about? So today's content basically comes from that. And so was the last one. The last one was more as a Q&A. What I've done with this one is I'm going to just chat a bit more about each subject. So tips for working in the fitness industry. This has come up a few times. Um, I've spoken about this a few times. And, it, you know, the tips for working in the industry, there, there's so many of them. Um, depending on what part of the fitness industry you want to go in. Is it an area you already know well? Is it an area you have an interest in? Is it an area that you, you know you have a lot of work to do, not that you're ever finished doing work? For example, I know a lot about the fitness industry, but I don't know anything about being a physiotherapist. So I would have a lot to learn. Maybe you're a level two and you want to get in and be a level three. So you've got to go and do the necessary qualifications, certifications. In this case, I'm certain the person who asked was talking about getting their level three towards the end of the year and then starting their journey to become a personal trainer. The advice I always give is look at your local fitness idols. Who are the leading fitness professionals in your immediate area and your immediate gym? Judge these people on who has the strongest business and reputation and not who has shagged the most clients. Then what you want to do is reverse engineer their success pattern. You're not copying anyone. Ultimately, you're going to walk the same path, but you're going to do it in your own shoes because nobody can PT better than you because you're the only person that is you. So you want to reverse engineer what they've done. How did they get to be the biggest icon, fitness icon in their area? How did they get to be the busiest? Look at how they built their client base. The best way to do that is befriend them. Secondly, ask them to be a mentor. And the, the best PTs will help other PTs. And if you have to pay a small fee for that, or even if it's a large fee for a mentor, well, then ensure that ensures that the PT acting as a mentor has value in it because it's part of their service they're providing. And the second one is you can set the boundaries of what that mentoring is and how much contact time do you get them? What will you learn? How often will you learn? Uh, how can your two brands match? So the biggest bit of advice is get to know in some way the best fitness professionals in your area. Other things you can do, you know, are, are obvious, be really, really knowledgeable on your subjects. I tell people the niche. So a pet peeve I have is when I see in the gym, 
you know the PT boards and it's got specialist areas for the PT and there's five, six, seven specialist areas like I do fat burn, I do bodybuilding, I do body sculpting, I do group fitness classes, I do core, I do pre and postnatal. It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. You can only specialize in one area. If I see a PT board and a PT has three or four things under specialist areas and one person, the PT beside them has one bullet point, I'm more interested in that person because I know that person does something really, really well. Cast my journey back, there was a PT in our gym, it was Fitness First Boucher Road. Uh, the PT's name was Orla Donake. She has now got married and for the life of me, I can't remember what her married name is for you to look her up on social. I'll maybe put that in the notes of this. Uh, Orla specialised in core stability for females. That was it. She didn't write anything else. She didn't do anything else on her PT board with all her clients. She specialised in core stability for females. Now what this does is it means it positions herself as the expert in that gym at that time. Now before you judge core stability and specialise in that, let me take you back. This is 15 years ago when proprioception and balance training was the lifeblood of a PT programme. We used to spend 10, 15 minutes. Fortunately, science has moved on and we now know that that doesn't need such a big component to someone's training. Anyway, Orla positioned herself as the expert in our gym at that. And as a result, she had the biggest client base. She had a really, really consistent client base. She got great results. She did one thing really, really well. And in the end, she didn't just have the females who wanted core stability. She built up trust. So she had, she trained other clients for different goals. She trained men to put on weight, put on muscle mass. She trained women to do the same. She trained all types of people is what I'm trying to say. But it was because she positioned herself as the expert in one field. She gained trust as a professional in that facility. So to summarize that, tips to working in the fitness industry, get a mentor and learn how to niche yourself and be good at just one thing. And I'll add on a third thing just because it's relevant. Don't be a dick. There's too many fitness professionals out there who are just dicks and close-minded, the other training ideas and concepts. Like, don't be one of them. Our second one is we're going to talk about overtraining. Now, I need to read this specific question here just to put this in context for anyone uh, listening. So the question who came, came from a full-time fitness professional who teaches group exercise classes over 10 hours a week. As instructors, we do multiple classes per day, often back to back. Some customers and friends follow us and do the same. They do all our classes. Whilst this is nice for us, how do we explain overtraining to them without coming across ungrateful to their support? That's a quality, high quality question because this will happen everywhere in every gym in every part of the country wales scotland northern ireland england republic of ireland our members follow us from class to class because they love the classes 
they love us and it's what they want to do. Um, it's difficult to fully communicate the message that you're trying to not stop them training, that you're just trying to look after them. So it's difficult to maybe relay in one conversation. It comes from constant education. So it might be across your social media platforms. It might be one-on-one -on -one conversations. It might be seminars in your gym. The basic message is our bodies are conditioned to do it because it's our full-time job. No fitness instructor starts off by doing 10, 15, 20 classes per week. We build up to that. We get conditioned to it. And often, as fitness professionals, as group fitness instructors, we actually don't get a training effect from our classes. We literally live in a state of overtraining. So in order for us to get a training effect, we have to go above and beyond that. Our participants don't have the same quality of life as us because we'll teach a couple of classes in the morning, sit down, have a cup of tea, have a coffee, go to sleep, do some housework, go to sleep, go and do your classes in the evening. We get to switch on and off from the class space. We can have some rest, we can have some downtime, we have our downtime during the day. The typical participant will work anything up to, well, I was going to say 40 hours a week, but this day and age, maybe more than that, 50, 60 hours a week. Then they're going to come and perhaps do 10 hours of physical activity as well. They're going to get fried mentally, physically. They are going to fatigue at a much faster rate than us. And it's nothing to do with a level of fitness. It's not that we are fitter than them. It's not that the instructor is less fit. It's because our energies are being spent in different places. So we need to communicate that to our members that we are both spending the same amount of energy. We're just doing it in different places. Because they're spending the energy during the day doing their working job, they can be so mentally fatigued by the time it comes to a class, they will just burn out completely like I said that is difficult to explain in one conversation that is constant education you could perhaps drop onto your social media signs of overtraining uh, that's not being able to sleep that's always feeling tired that's um, stomach pains kidney pains hunger levels being very, very strange. Um, in severe cases, it's uh, CNS and hormone imbalances, um, particularly, well, I was going to say more common in females. It's not more common in females. It's only common because females tend to do more group exercise than what men do, but men could equally get hormone imbalances. Um, and it Sleep patterns would drastically be affected. I know I've said that before, but you might not be able to wake up in the morning properly. It's a big sign of overtraining. Or you might not be able to get to sleep in the first place. Um, other things that show signs of overtraining, apart from being generally sore, is actually just having poor flexibility for no reason. Not getting any training results. So you could, you could maybe do, on your social media, um, 10 signs of overtraining and post that do bullet point format and then hitch on to any questions that you get underneath in fact you know what just because I've said that I'm going to do that tomorrow that's going to be my social media post for tomorrow and Thursday the 16th 
10 signs of overtraining. I will write a piece on that. That'll be on Instaface, uh, Facegram, and where else will it be? I'll put up my daily emails as well, all of which you can subscribe and follow. The most satisfying thing about working in fitness. This is very, very subjective. It's going to be very, very different for everyone. I know there's people out there in the fitness world on Instagram who get great satisfaction about having a certain amount of followers, certain amount of likes, certain amount of views on their content. There'll be ones out there who don't use social media at all and get really, really excited and satisfaction from seeing the physical results from the, the guy going from the 38 inch waist to the 32 inch waist or dropping a, a couple of stone, whatever it is. Satisfaction comes in many ways. For me, and I do a couple of things, so in case you're not exactly sure everything I do in the world of fitness and coaching, I no longer, after 15 years, do one-to-one -one PT, but I do have 15 years experience of it. We can work out how many hours that is. Should I get a calculator and do that? Oh, that'd be shit content. Let's not do that. See, one PT. Um, so I did one-to-one -one PT. I've done group fitness in more gyms than I, than I can count. I have been a national trainer for a global brand. I run my own online business. I now do as a actual business, not just on the side and in gyms. I run a PT mentoring school and I'm in position to run my first event at the end of this year. So I do a lot of stuff is, is what I'm trying to say. And you get different satisfying things in different areas. Um, the physical weight loss results, yep, I enjoy them. The achievement of maybe I had a client, uh, Sarah, who I took from zero miles to 26 miles. She ran her first marathon. Um, you know, that, that was very satisfying for me to see the, the client achieve that goal but it's it's the hidden goals which do it for me it's the ones that take me off guard and it's when I get the message to say I've just walked into the weights area so if, if you know, I've had this a few times it's the the confidence and it's often when someone does something that they've thought they never could do or they've told me they could never do and they all of a sudden walk into the weights area an area that they maybe felt intimidated and they go in and do it. Or they'll be casually going around their day and something which normally triggers them in the unemotional state all of a sudden doesn't. And it's when I get that text message. Yeah, it's, it, it's that moment. Um, this specific question I got was based around the... Um, like client results, what's the most satisfying thing for me from a client's result? And it's the mental change, it's the mental achievement, it's, you know, it's getting the screenshot sent through to me on WhatsApp of my client who has just achieved a PB in the gym and how it makes them feel. Not what the PB is, not what the result is, it's how it's made them feel something which they previously thought they either couldn't do or was six months later for them to get that there and then. And just because I know a lot of you will be listening and 
I avoided saying their name before. I said I worked for a global company. I actually said I worked for them. I do work for them, uh, present tense, not past tense. The most satisfying thing I have ever had as a trainer, I was completely and utterly unprepared for. I'd been a trainer for quite a few years. Let me rephrase that. I'd been a presenter for a few years. So a presenter will perform at quarterly workshops and deliver master classes in and around the country. A trainer will do that and facilitate training modules to train new instructors to become instructors. So I've been a presenter for a long time, um, two or three years this was, and I had just become a trainer. That was an amazing feeling because I had I'd kind of reached those goals, which I had right at the start of my, my Les Mills journey. The best feeling I ever had wasn't the Les Mills Live. Les Mills Live is a big stage, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred people in front of you. You know, I, I got to stand up there a few times. I've been really, really lucky and blessed in that. I've stood up in front of friends and family. And I've got to do what I really, really enjoy. Fantastic feelings. But the satisfying thing was I was at a quarterly workshop once delivering whatever I was delivering. I don't, I can't remember what I was delivering. And a girl came up to me and said, Ricky, so good to see you again. And I looked at the girl and I had that mind blank. Not good with remembering names and faces. I'll often need my memory rejigged and then I'll remember specific details. And the girl said to me, you don't remember me, do you? And I smiled and I said, no, nope. I don't know who you are. Tell me who you are. And she said, we did initial module training together nine months ago. And the penny dropped and I remembered her. Her name was Sarah from a second Sarah in this audio podcast. Different Sarah, but her name was Sarah. I had trained her in CX Works in a club, uh, Milton Keynes, uh, as she said, about nine months ago. And she was the first person who I had ever trained in a module. It was her first program, and it was she was the first person who I had then seen at a quarterly workshop. So she wasn't an instructor before I met her. Now she was an instructor. And better than that, she had continued her training journey. And I'd seen her nine months later and we got to catch up. I wasn't prepared for that. You never told that when you start becoming a, a group fitness instructor, the influence you can have on other instructors. That lasted about three minutes, that explanation. I didn't mean that to last that long, but I just kind of went off on a tangent. The next question, and this is a bit of a break in proceedings, the next question comes from the first Ricky Long, Rick Fit sponsored athlete. This is from Matt Stevenson. Matt Stevenson's question was, training plateaus, how do we break through them? Now, because this was asked in a closed group, this is the exact answer I gave. Legit answer, legit, I am so cool with the kids from about three years ago. Legit answer, either suck it up and get on with it, or go on a three-week bender and max out a few credit cards, get pissed, get drunk. Genuine answer, you need to do one of two things. You either need to suck it up, you need to push through the plateaus, keep training, change your training, 
you know, if you do a lot of strength training, do a lot of sprint training. If you do a lot of sprint training, do a lot of endurance training. Change it so as you're getting that trainer fit. Change something, change your gym, whatever it might be. And if you're not up for that, if you've tried that and it's not working, then stop training. Yeah. Put your all your gym kit in a drawer in the house. Forget about it for a while and come back to it when you've had that mental break. It could be a week. could be two or three weeks. Yeah, it'll be tough when you get back into it. I feel like you've been out for two or three years. But honestly, that can often be the best thing. Rest from the gym. You're not going to rest completely. You're not going to sit in the house watching TV and living a sedentary life. You're just not going to spend four or five hours a week in the gym. And that's okay. Training plateaus. How to break them? Either suck it up, change your training and get on with it. Or... Forget about training, enjoy life for a while, and then come back in when you're ready. Oh, right. I think this has been the longest podcast. It's been a good one. I felt good doing it. I've spent the whole time, obviously, looking at my notes, looking out the window at the uh, the Clyde. Um, I've seen the submarine a couple of times. It kind of, it kind of just does circles. I think, I think, now I don't know who's listening to this, so anyone can listen to this. I know this might be a matter of national security, but listen, to me and to all these listeners, this is a closed circle, so we can we can talk about things confidentially. I think there's maybe one or two submarines, right? And there's a need for more drivers like we're going to war or something so I think the submarines like if I look closely I think I might see L plates on the submarine and no (laughs) there's like a submarine driving instructor sitting on the left of the submarine driver (laughs) saying things like mirror signal maneuver yeah and they're just doing circles and really if I look at it closely, he's doing U-turns and parallel parts. And right now, I'm just, I'm just kind of picturing, you know, the submarine instructor saying, "When I hit my hand on the dash, you have to do an emergency stop." <laughs> and some poor wee navy cadet or whatever they are, just on the other side, just not understanding the basic laws of physics. Because I'm pretty certain you can't do an emergency stop in a submarine. Like, I've never driven a submarine. My knowledge on submarines is a generous 2 out of 10. Like, I know they can submerge. And they're great. So, there is potential I could learn more about submarines and... They may be able to do an emergency stop the same way in which a motor vehicle can. But I would hazard a guess to say that they can't. I hope this podcast has served you in the manner I hope it has. I hope the last two minutes and the submarine chat has added value to your day. The rest of my day will consist of editing this uploading this 
and then I'm going to go and teach a body pump class and then do a 25 minute run afterwards. Maybe, maybe three, four K. It'll depend, I'll be on a treadmill, so I'll obviously be demented out of my head. But that's the goal, that's the plan. This is the Ricky Long Podcast. Thank you so much for subscribing listening any feedback is exceptionally valuable to me if you can connect with me on social media just go to any social media platform type in ricky long 42 you will find me right now i'm in the promotion of my event which is going to be called fit ed by ricky long november 25th belfast there's a priority list where those people will find out the best information first. They will get access to the cheapest tickets first. You've got to get on the list. Just message me. You'll find the links in various places on social media. I'll get you in. I've got expert speakers coming in. I'm truly very excited. It cannot not be a success with the speakers I have. What I mean is there's guaranteed quality coming. I am Ricky Long. You have listened to the Ricky Long Podcast, sponsored by The Lion King. Not really sponsored, but we are in discussions. Cheers!